Thank you for listening to this podcast. The Ville Church provides all its resources for free. If you've been blessed by this ministry, please consider giving financially. For more information on how to give and other resources, please visit www.theville.church. Hello, everyone. Pastor Rodney here with The Ville Church. Hopefully everybody's doing okay. Um, last couple times have been really hard speaking to a camera as I am now. Um, but we all know that we're in this situation together and, and, uh, but I just can't wait to get together. So I'm hoping, uh, you're feeling the same and, uh, when willing and ready to hang out sometime soon. Right. Um, we're in the book of Colossians and we're in our rooted series. And in that series, um, Paul is now speaking to the household of God and Jay last week spoke to husbands and wives. And one of the things that Jay pointed out, that I, which I thought was very important is that whose idea was marriage, right? It was God's idea, God instituted marriage. And when it comes to children, I wanna ask that same question. Whose idea was children? Whose idea was parents? Well, we find in Genesis that God tells Adam and Eve to multiply and to be fruitful. So it was God's idea. So my first question to you all, those that have children and to everyone, who do the children belong to? They belong to God, right? Whose idea was it? It was God's idea. So that's very important when we look at our children that we realize they're really lent to us and they're there for us to steward and to care for and to take care of. Um, and they're a blessing from God. Psalms 127, three to five says this, children are a heritage from the Lord, an offspring, a reward from him. They're a blessing, they're a gift from God. Matthew verses uh, 18 and six, Jesus says something, it's a very powerful statement there. He says, if one of these little children believes in me and someone causes that child to sin, it will be better, very bad for that person, I'm sorry. And it would be better for them to have a milestone tied around their neck and be drowned in the deep sea. So what we find is that Jesus takes children very serious. And a matter of fact, there was a time when the children were next to Jesus and the disciples are saying, you know, about heaven and the kingdom of heaven. He says, unless you become like them, right? So one of the reasons why children is so are so important is because they bear the image of God. And um, I'm not sure what people have said about you and your life and, and, and how important or have maybe been critical to you, but I want you to know that you're made in the image of God and we're all children, right? We're all children that are made in God's image. Every person that lives on this, the face of this planet. Now, again, we find Paul saying, Children, obey your parents in everything. Now, why do you think Paul points that out? Why do you think God has to put it out there? Hey, parent, hey, children, obey your parents. And I know there's children listening. So why would God do that? And the reason why I believe are two reasons. One is because every one of us, when we're born, we're born with something inside of us that wants to do wrong. And that's called the sinful nature. We know what our parents tell us to do. We know what uh, God even wants us to do, but there are just times that we wanna do something that we want and it's hurtful. And that's in us from the time we're born. It would be so nice if we would just read Colossians 3.20 and say, hey, children, obey, obey, your, obey your parents and it would all go away and they'd obey from that point on. But that's not the case. Um, I also believe 
that the reason is, is for God wants us to experience the true life that he's always planned for us to live. And, and in obedience, we actually experience what life is really about, where God wants us to move us constantly towards his presence and his purpose and his original plan, which is to be completely obedient in a relationship with him, to be completely obedient. So that's one thing is that, you know, we can live our lives so many ways and, and God gives us that choice. But the life that we are truly looking for and that God truly wants us to experience is a life of obedience. And that's why he asks children to obey their parents because as they learn to obey their parents, as the parents guide them to obey God, they begin to experience this life that God wants them to live. Deuteronomy 5.33 says this, You shall walk in all the way that the Lord your God has commanded you, that you may live and shall not, and that it may go well with you, and that you may live long in the land that you shall possess. So God wants it to go well. You know, contrary to popular belief, God wants our lives to be lived well. And they're lived that way when we live obedient to God. And then he also wants us to live long. Exodus 20 verse 12 says, Honor your father and your mother that your days may be long in the land and that the Lord your God is giving you. God wants you to have a long life. God wants you to bless you with more and more life. So again, children are a gift from God. And they're a blessing but the thing is that they're bent towards sin and with that the thing is though is that there's a beautiful picture of God's grace when he brings in the parent to be able to bring them close to them through their disobedience through their wrong way of going bring them close to them to be able to exemplify God's image to the child so as parents we are image bearers that means when they see us they're seeing God and uh, so we are to image God as parents that's our role right it's a calling from God it's a it's a it's God's grace in the child's life to have a parent to come and image Jesus so we image God when we instruct our children we image God when we play with them we image them, image God when we problem solve. We image God um, when we discipline our children. In every challenge and situation, we're imaging God all the time. Now, how does that feel? How does it feel that I just said that you image God? You parents that are there, or that those of you parented before, I mean, to me, that feels daunting. That's like a heavy weight. It almost even seems impossible. Well, I want you to know it is. It's not to discourage you, but it's to cause you to say, I need help for that. The same love that you want to leave your, lead your children to is the same love that you're going to need in your life to be able to parent. The same help that your child needs to learn to cry out to, which is God's help. That's what we need as well in order for us to be parents. Now, the next question is, Who's, what is the relationship about? This, the child-parent relationship, who is it about? Is it about the parent? Is it about the child? It's definitely not about the parent. It's definitely not about the child. It's about Christ. 
Christ is the center of that relationship. 2 Corinthians 5, 14 to 15 say this, For Christ's love compels us, because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. That word, Christ's love compels. In other words, God's love is so good that it motivates, it, it lures us in. It, 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 there's nothing else we can do but to respond into not living for ourselves anymore. Because it says when Christ died, we died to our old life. But that we would live for God and we live a new life, no longer live for ourselves. See, if the relationship between the parent and the child is about the parent, then it's no longer going to be live for God. If it's about the child, they're going to live for the child and not for God. It's not for ourselves. Christ is the center of that relationship. So little Johnny is so cute, right? And we love him so much. But if our happiness, <clears throat> our self-worth, our value as parents is dependent on how little Johnny lives his life, on how wild he grows up and what he becomes, that's going to crush him. That's a heavy weight. Many times as parents, we will be tempted to live our life out through our children, for them to become something we didn't, for them to excel in areas where we didn't excel, for them to be better than us. And it's not a bad thing you want them to be better, but where we, our value and our worth is dependent upon that, it's going to crush them and it's going to crush us because there's no guarantees, right? On whichever way. And the, and the focus is off. It's on his life and how well he does. Now, if it's about little Johnny and how happy little Johnny is, that's also what's going to happen is the exact opposite. If, little, if it's all about little Johnny's happiness and what he wants and what he gets and all the whole world around, revolves around him, he's never going to be happy. He's never going to get truly what he's want. He's never going to be satisfied. So he needs to learn to die to himself, right? Our children, I just use little Johnny, whether it's little Susie, little Johnny, whoever it is, right? Just a, just a way to say um, selflessness, live for, for the love of God and not for himself. As Second Corinthians says, the, the love of Christ compels us. Having that experience with the love of Christ. Now, I remember my kids uh, one time uh, during middle school. I remember of a, a, a situation where, you know, they would put the results of whether they were doing their schoolwork or not online, and you could see each class and, and if it's all up to par and stuff like that. And um, I think they were starting to struggle in their schoolwork. And so we had a meeting and we, we got together and we talked and, and you know, just went over the fact that, hey, you know, um, this is about God giving you teachers and school and, and, and homework and stuff to do. And I know it's stuff that you may not want to do or like to do, but it's for you to steward. So children, when you have schoolwork, God wants you to steward that. He wants you to do your best to take care of it. Um, may not be something you like but in life you're going to have things like that and you're going to find out that you don't want to throw the trash you don't want to flush your teeth you know you don't want to pay the bills sometimes you don't want to do certain things at work um, but these are all things that god gives us to steward and, and what i mean by that is for example it's great to have teeth to floss right um, it's great to have a school where you learn than not to learn at all 
You know, there are people that will love to have a book. Uh, there are people that never had a chance to, to learn. And God uses that to grow us in certain ways to maybe one, learn to be a teacher one day, maybe learn to help someone else. And um, these are ways that things that God gives to steward. So we find, um, you know, telling our kids that this is something that God wants to steward. So it's, it's about taking that time to explain that to them. But I also let my children know, hey, if you decide you choose not to, uh, you know, do your schoolwork, then that weekend you choose not to do certain things that you get to do. Um, you know, I worked Monday through Friday back then uh, when my kids were little. I had Saturday and Sundays off. I did the best I could at work. You know, obviously not all the time, but most of the time I tried because by Saturday and Sunday, I didn't want to think about work. I didn't want to think about something I should have done. And I was looking forward to that time of relaxation, recuperation, you know, hanging out with the kids, doing something fun. And they look forward to that as well. So the week goes by, we look at their work if it was done and they actually chose not to do it. So I let them know if you choose not to do it, then you also choose not to have those other things that you do, that you want to do. And what do we see? We saw them, you know, try to explain, get upset, they got mad, all that happened. And it's painful. And I think that's the biggest temptation for parents when it comes to discipline is to feel the pain that our child feels. So that whole long weekend, full Saturday, full Sunday of long faces and this is uh, uh, not cool um, was hard. Um, but the thing is, is if I would have not brought this up, if I would have not followed through on them and allow them to feel the consequences of their decisions, or the decision they made, what would that be speaking to them? What would that say to them? What that's gonna say is that they're not a person, that when they make a decision to um, do their schoolwork, for example, or not do their schoolwork, not, there's, there's, no, there's no difference if I were to not allow them to feel the consequences of their decision. I take the dignity away from them of making a choice, a choice that could be something that's good that comes out of it or something that's bad. They would never know the difference if nothing ever changed, if I didn't fall through. Also, I'd be saying, I don't see you. And it's not important to me. You're not important because whether you do right or wrong, it doesn't matter. And I've heard stories of children that would do wrong and do worse wrong until they could get their parents' attention. So basically we're saying is that you're not seen at that moment. But when we allow them to feel the pain of their wrong decision, we're saying that you matter, that your decisions matter, and that you're seen. So when they decide to make a good decision, they'll feel the impact of it. They'll know that, hey, I can make good decisions and I can make bad decisions with Christ's help. And of course, we want them to cry out to God and help them to do whatever they need to do to make the decision to obey, right? Now, not disciplining breeds insecurities and it also breeds selfishness. Everyone has experienced someone who always gets their way, is always given everything they wanted, where they think the world revolves around them. They're not fun to be around. Maybe that was you, maybe that was me. And we're just not happy about it. And so what that does, it does the exact opposite. You would think like, no, I don't want them to feel the pain. I don't want them to feel, you know, uh, you know, the repercussion for the decision, uh, that's just gonna, you know, bring them down. And it actually does the opposite when we don't allow them to feel that. And um, again, giving them as much praise when they do what's wow, yes. 
but and then giving them love and acceptance whether they do well or whether they do wrong this is never uh something to push them away but always to draw them in towards you god's word says that he disciplines those that he loves so what would be somewhat of the opposite of that that if you're not disciplined you're not loved by god but he disciplines those that he loves and um this is accepting god's authority God's authority over the children's life. See, we're representing God's authority. What does that look like? Well, it's always good, it's always loving, it's always gentle, and it's always kind, but it's definitely firm, right? That we follow through on whatever it is that we ask of our children. Now, I know from personal experience, I didn't always discipline this this way. There are times where I did it wrong, I was frustrated, you know, um, I, I reacted, you know, I didn't think through it. Times that I just, covered it, I acted like it didn't happen, you know, just so I wouldn't have to deal with it all, right? But when it comes to discipline, um, there's a couple of things I like to share. When it comes to discipline, it should not be something that's a surprise. It shouldn't be coming out of nowhere as a reaction. We should be able to, we should take time and stop and think through what are we going to tell our children when it comes to this discipline that's coming their way. Communicate it first, explain it, and then follow through on it. Uh, sometimes we set it up ahead of time. Like I said, I already let my kids know, hey, if you choose this, then you're choosing that, right? If you choose not to do your work, choose not to hang out. Um, and it could be in the opposite. It could say, hey, if you choose to you know, do this, this, and this, then you choose to have this reward or this freedom. Um, let's say getting certain chores done or whatever. Um, you know, Maybe they're gonna get a bike or I don't know, but it's okay to also let them know for the positive, not just for the negative. Now, the next thing is it shouldn't be harsh. You know, it shouldn't be, it should be graceful. Uh, in other words, reasonable. The consequence shouldn't be like astronomical. You know, um, someone, you know, one of your children did something wrong and shouldn't be there grounded for a whole year. If you're not sure if you're being harsh or if it's too much the consequence, you know, you can reach out to folks on the family. Um, there's a book called by uh, Borders with, uh, Boundaries with Children. It's a great book, Boundaries with Teenagers. And it'll give you an idea of what, you know, is uh, appropriate um, uh, discipline, you know, and uh, consequences. If you're not sure, also maybe ask your squad, you know, one of the brothers sisters in the church and, and, and get their advice. Get more than pers one person's advice, especially when it's critical. Um, shouldn't be out of frustration and anger. And that's the hardest. The hardest one is out of frustration and anger because usually that's when we move towards discipline. I know that's the way it was for me. It is not easy to not discipline out of frustration and anger. Um, and why? Because we want to image God in this discipline and God doesn't discipline us out of anger or frustration. He's graceful, right? He communicates to us. So um, we should not leave a child or send them away even though I've done this. So um, here's a part that I recently learned and I know that I didn't do it this way, but I just wanted to put it out there. So let's say your child is gonna get a spanking. And of course, I'm not talking a beating, right? I remember with my children, I would tap them on their, their pamper, right? And just to let them know that was not okay. And they would cry. Uh, it wasn't, they couldn't even feel it, you know? But just the idea of, of knowing that they're being disciplined, right? So anyways, when it comes to a spanking, not a beating, um, and um, they're crying, the idea is to keep them with you. 
whether either on your lap if possible or next to you with your arm around them. So you explain to them why they're being disciplined, then you would apply the discipline and then you would hold them, right? Now, maybe you don't believe in spanking. Um, maybe you put children on timeout and it doesn't mean that you don't believe in it because you put children on timeout, but even if you put a child on timeout, it's so important um, to not put them away. In other words, uh, you know, sending them to their room and close the door and you can't come out. Um, because when someone's being disciplined, um, it doesn't feel good. You know, they, they've made some decisions that hurt themselves, hurt God and hurt you. It's good to explain that. And, and, and they're feeling bad already. And they're gonna look towards you as the parent for some type of support in this. And the goal is for them to uh, realize that you love them and they, that you help them stop themselves from doing this. And they realize that this hurts and um, so with that, as you discipline them, it's not to separate yourself because God never separates himself from us, those that he loves, right? Um, he never leaves us nor forsakes us. Now, if you've done that, I don't want you to feel bad and say, oh my God, I really don't think you're wrong. If I mess up my kids, no, don't freak out about that. That's usually the first thing we do. But just to understand that, hey, if they got to go on timeout, put them somewhere where they can see you and you can see them. Yeah, they can't go do things like they normally do. They got to sit in a chair or whatever it is that they have to do when they're on timeout. You know, so that's a, a little insight when it comes to um, or recommend or encouragement when it comes to, to discipline your children. And of course, like I said, there's some great, uh, good, godly books to, to learn a little bit more on. I know this is not what this sermon's about, but I know that's one topic that comes up. Like, how do I apply discipline? Um, when it comes to parenting, at the end of the day, um, one of the things is that it's about engagement. Um, they need to know that you see them, that you're getting to know them, and that you are present. You know, it's hard. Um, I really tried, my wife really tried our best to be present in our children's lives. I, I worked a certain job with a certain schedule, so I had plenty of time off and, and good hours. Um, but at the end of the day, you can be there and you could be with your children, but sometimes we don't connect with them. And I know that's happened to me. There's times where, you know, I was with them physically, but I wasn't connecting with them. I wasn't seeing them. And many times maybe I didn't get to know them like I should get to know them in certain ways. And so they, some of my children have brought that uh, uh, to my attention and, um, and to my wife's attention. Um, I know that that's hard. You know, I know that that, that hits home with a lot of us. Um, I know it hit home with me. Um, so that's just something to be aware of. And I want to share that because some of you that have little children to know that. Um, at the end of the day, none of us are gonna be perfect parents. We're not gonna have this together. You know, um, there's a part that God does that we don't do. And he has it. Even through our failures and through our mess ups, he uses that. He's the only one that can, can work that out for the good. And he's ultimately the, the main parent. But again, connecting with him, being engaged with him, that's so important. Reason being is, as you um, apply, you know, rules or, or, or expectations with them or things they should or shouldn't do, if there's no engagement, no relationship, that'll lead to frustration and that'll lead to rebellion. Um, and what's, what's awesome about when you have this ongoing, you know, relationship with them and, and your home is, is a home where there's fun and laughter and there's encouragement and there's play and, and, and you want it to be a great night, you don't want it to be all these problems and you just encourage that environment. 
when they do make a mistake and when they do something wrong or they do rebel, they hurt their sibling or whatever they do, it stops. At that moment, it stops and you start to talk to them. And they're like, man, I really want to get back to it being fun and hanging out with mom and dad. They'll know and they'll see that their decisions impact that. So by being engaged and by creating that awesome environment, it really helps them to see that, man, I want to get back to that awesome uh, time we're having and I need to um, ask God to help me, right? And they start to make better decisions um, and not interrupting that cool, awesome relationship you have with them. So Colossians 3.21 says, and this is our last verse, we're going to talk about, fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. Why does Paul point this out? Um, Ephesians points this out as well. Provoking your children, um, causing them to be discouraged. That is so hard, is to be discouraged. And um, I believe the reason why is because fathers are a large impact in the home. You know, we, we bring a presence to the home. Um, people know, our children know, our wives know, our, our home knows um, what it's like um, when we come home. Um, and there are homes that don't have fathers and that's definitely felt as well. It just brings a really big, um, has a big impact on the home. Um, so for us, there's like a heavy weight with that, right? Man, I bring this big impact to the home. Uh, they know we're having a good day. They know when we're having a bad day. Um, they know when it's difficult. I think one of the things that we have to, to, to know is that just like them, you know, they're human, we're human, and um, it's okay to share that. You know, it's okay to share that, look, dad is having a rough day, I'm gonna need a few moments to myself, or I might not be myself today. Um, I'm angry right now, or I'm sad right now, or, or, or I'm going through something. Um, it gives them something to relate to. I think that's one where area that I failed in. I, I always tried to make sure that my kids uh, didn't have to be there for me. And so I went to the extreme of not even sharing when I was going through hard times. And that, that disconnects us. And that's something that also got brought up when it came to our relationship. And um, now I share a lot more, which is, which is awesome. You know, um, I wish I would have done it back, back then. And I'm sure they felt a little bit like, isolated is like man when they go through something and 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 they're showing and they're wearing it on their sleeves but dad is in it's like you know i must be really bad i don't know how to control myself and we all go through stuff so um sharing that with them the next the other thing is being able to say man i, I messed up you know i i shouldn't have said that i shouldn't have done that i shouldn't have done that to you asking them for forgiveness you know um that's going to help them to ask others for forgiveness. That's going to help them to confess what they go through. So, uh, so, so important. If not, that all leads to frustration. And I believe that leads to discouragement is when we're not real, when we're not admitting our faults and, um, and just being real with our children. Um, the thing is, is that, you know, um, as fathers, we carry a big load and, um, I don't want you to feel alone. You know, I don't want you to feel like this is too much um, in the sense that, that you're by yourself because um, we want to raise our children in a way that they cry out to God, that they trust God in what they're doing and, and that they ask for his help. And at the end of the day, that's what we need. That's why Jesus Christ died on the cross. He gave us his son because he knew that this life was too heavy. He knew our sins were too heavy. He knew that we would need the full power of God to be a father. 
And at the end of the day, no one's gonna be around um, in that moment when you need help other than Christ. Don't get me wrong, you have your brothers in Christ and they're praying for you and it's good to be honest and open about your struggles and your challenges, but Christ is there. And as they see you cry out to God, that's how they're gonna cry out to God. Um, how do we do this? You know, how do we uh, ask God to help us? How does he come in and live in our lives? Well, it starts by stopping. Stopping and, and turning this life over to him for maybe five minutes, 10 minutes and saying, God, you have it. And some silence and some stillness, just, you know, chilling before God and saying, you know, I, I need you, Lord. I need time with you. Soaking in God's love, being in God's love, being rooted in his love. That you're loved, that you're accepted, that you're forgiven, that he has you. That you being a, a certain way as a father doesn't make you better or make him love you anymore. And being a certain way as a father um, doesn't make you, uh, whether it's bad, doesn't make him love you any less. But he loves you regardless of how you do as a father. That you have freedom. And then maybe opening the scriptures and saying, man, speak to me, God. And reading one or two scriptures, maybe from a devotion, whatever it is, and you let the scripture just soak in your mind and soak in your heart. Maybe you have a certain worship song. Maybe, maybe you pray to God and you just take that time and stay there and wait for God. Wait for him to meet you and be with him. But don't leave it there. Allow God to come with you throughout the rest of the day and practice his presence with you as you go on to your next task, you know, throwing out the trash, taking out the trash or paying a bill or going to somewhere, going to work or, you know, phone call or, you know, helping the kids get up or whatever it is that you're doing, that God would go with you throughout the day. And then you stop again, whatever time of the day that is. Maybe it's noontime, maybe it's evening and allow yourself to be with God because they're going to need that. They're going to need that you are with God because they're going to need to know what it is to be like God. So the next thing we can do is also love them with the love of God. And how do we do that? Obviously, how we treat them, engaging. We talked a lot about stuff, you know, all the above. But really, the scriptures, reading the scriptures to them and have them reading them to you. Have them explain to you. I don't care how small they are. If they can say a scripture, they could, you know, they could copy you. At the very least, let them say that. Let them hear themselves seeing, hearing scripture and speaking scripture. And then let them explain it to you. Let them read a story in the word and explain what's going on. And 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 just allowing them to, to soak in the word of God. What's their favorite worship song? Play it on YouTube. Play it on an audio unit. Play your worship song. Uh, allowing them to see you worship Jesus and you worship with them. We could do this every day. Praying with them. Having them lead in prayer. Or have them take a part of prayer and and do it with them because guess what they're gonna be a father one day most likely or they're gonna be on their own one day and they're gonna need to be able to know what it's like to soak and rest in God's love and that's a whole purpose of parenting is that we would uh, encourage them to image God the end result is for them to to have a relationship with God in close proximity with Jesus all the time. At the end of the day, that fight about going to bed, maybe them not, you know, eating their vegetables or maybe the attitude that they're showing. Well, it's not about getting enough sleep. It's definitely not about, you know, eating healthy. And it's not about 
being a person that has such a great attitude at the end of the day, what that is, is it's opportunities. They're not interruptions, but they're opportunities where God invites you to display his image. Where you become, you image his arms, you image his voice, you image his words, you image his love, you image his wisdom, you image his instruction, you image his care, you may image his jokes, you image his, his help. You are, you are there, it's an invitation for us as parents to image God to our children. That's what parenting, that call to parenting is. And, and, it's, and it's, a, it's a short time of when we're really close to our kids. 18 years goes by so quick. And that closeness and that time that you had is, is gonna go fast and you'll never get it back. So let's let's this cash in on the fact that God gives us today. So whatever happened yesterday, we must let that go. You know, don't beat yourself up. Uh, don't don't live in regret. But today, Jesus says to you know live for today. For tomorrow has enough worries for itself. So today, we can engage. Today we can call on God. Today we could ask God to help us. And these are all invitations to image God. It's an invitation to impart that wisdom, that care, and that love that God has. And they begin to see it and they start to accept God's authority because they see his authority through you as we point them to Christ. So as Paul says, children obey your parents, right? And parents, we're to instruct them and raise them in the way that they should go. That's according to the way they're made and in God's ways, right? And uh, so I don't know where you're at with this and I'm not sure how this hits you. Um, parenting's heavy. It's not easy. It's not for the faint at heart at all. And none of us were ever born with a manual on how to parent. A lot of these things I've learned afterwards, a lot of things I've learned along the way, and I failed at all of them. So I'm not speaking from a place of, look, I know how to parent. Um, and again, at the end of the day, they're the Lord's children. They're God's children. And he's ultimately their main parent. And he has them. And you just get to be, it's a cool, awesome opportunity to be a part of it for a short time. I think that's amazing. Um, I want to pray for you. And I want to let you know that um, we can't do this. We need Jesus. We need his help. And he works, he promised to work in us and through us to be a father, to be a mother, to be a parent. And those of you that are listening that don't have children, it's the same thing for you. In order for you to love and obey God, we need him to come rescue us. We need him to help us. And that's what the gospel is about. God does for us what we cannot do for ourselves. We cannot rescue ourselves. We cannot cause ourselves to obey God. It's all the fruit of him working in our lives. The only way we can do is lay back and rest in God's love. So I want to encourage all the parents out there to keep up the good fight. Not because you have it, not because of your strength, but because of God's and that he has you. Encourage other parents, team up with other parents, talk with other parents, pray with other parents. It's not easy. Um, it's really hard, but it's definitely a blessing from the Lord. So I'm going to encourage you all out there. Can't wait to hang out with you. Let us pray. Father, uh, sorry about the background noise, but let us pray. Father, um, I just thank you for being able to come and bring this part of the word to of the church and to all those that are listening and um, again there's so many books on parenting that are good 
um, and there, there's helpful advice there, but at the end of the day, um, it's all about the gospel. It's about that you were to give us sinners, children that are born sinners, to be able to raise them, to love you and live for you. We are so fortunate and I thank you for that. And we get to see your love working in their lives as you work in ours. And we're so grateful. And I just pray God for any of the parents that are feeling sad or guilty or challenged, that you would go right in there and let them know how much you love them. And that you've already been a good parent for them. And I pray that you would uh, encourage them to trust you, to engage, trust you, to even get help in parenting. They might just be in a place where they just need help right now. They pick up that phone, they've asked for that help, they ask for the prayer. Um, God, I remember so many times I just cried out, God, help me. I don't know what to do. I pray that no matter what they would understand, that what they do as a parent will not make them, make you love them anymore. Or what they don't do as a parent will make you love them any less. But that you love them because you're their parent and you're their child, they're your child. We all are children of God. Thank you, Lord. Protect our children. Encourage them. Bless our parents. Bless our church. Bless those that are here in this for the first time. I pray that they too would receive that they can become your child by believing that you died on the cross for their sins and not because they've done something good. Amen. God bless you all. See you soon in the future. Hopefully you have a great Sunday.